This is the Milo Beasley Show. This is the Milo Beasley Show. There's only one thing you need to know. This is the Milo Beasley Show. And now, here's your host, Milo Beasley. And welcome to the Milo Beasley Show. Do, 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 do. Episode number 349. I'm, I'm so excited for, for this week's guest. We were finally able to make things work. Uh, please help me welcome. Uh, he's toured with Alice Cooper, uh, Kiss, uh, Billy Idol, Zach Wilde, and more. Please help me welcome at this time. Derek Sharonian, how are you doing, sir? Hey, Milo. Fine, thank you. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Did I get the name right? Uh, almost. Sharonian. Sharonian. Oh, man, that's an even better name. That's a, that's not, it, that name even sounds metal. <laughs> nice. <laughs> What's up, man? Uh, nothing. Just uh, wanted to, to chat with you. Wanted to chat about your new album, your your new uh, record, Vortex, that just came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, what July first? Have you heard it? I have. Yes. What do you think? I mean, I usually it's not uh, it's not my type. You know, I'm I'm more into you know you know lyrics and stuff like that. So, but right. I was I was blown away, man. It's uh, it's amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I just, again, absolutely dug it. So what was the, um, what was the mindset behind this album? What was your, you know, what, what inspired, you know, uh, these songs? You know, we, um, Simon and I got back together in 2020 after nine years of a little hiatus and we wrote the Phoenix and we had such a great time doing that record that we just kept the same intensity and, and mindset for Vortex. So nothing, you know, specific. We just do what we do and we have a great writing chemistry. And whenever we get together, we always come up with cool stuff. So here's the Vortex and, and uh, we're very happy with the outcome. Yeah, absolutely. How long did it take you from the time that you're the inception of starting writing till the time that like you were able to complete it? It was about a year. Oh, yeah. Of, of writing and, you know, because we get together in, in chunks of time. And so and we're all doing other things as well. So it took about a year from writing and, and getting it recorded. And then like another six months later, then it gets released. So. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. So but so that's where when you know, this is what your seventh album no, this is actually number nine number of nine. my That's solo what... albums. Yeah, this is the ninth one. That's so when when people think of oh, this is their ninth album. This is you know this is somebody's ninth album. This is probably just something that was thrown together just so they can you know put something out. But a year is a long time to to spend on on a on a you know project like that. Well, yeah, and considering then the one before this, the Phoenix, it was nine years that we didn't work. And, and do it so there was a lot of stuff bottled up during those nine years so yeah sometimes it's good to take a break and get a fresh perspective on things that's a, that's so cool uh so how did you how did you get into piano in the first place was this something that like your parents were like you're gonna learn classical piano like the old like you know uh stereotypical television parents or was this something that you were interested in doing yourself well, I mean, there was a piano in the house, and as soon as I was able to crawl on the bench, I would get up and start playing. And my mom recognized that there was a talent there, 
And so she found a teacher and then I started studying uh, classical, like around six or seven years old, something like that. And trained for, you know, three, four years. And then I quit playing music altogether and got into skateboarding and, and just got away from music lessons, just wanted to play with my friends and stuff. And then a couple of years later, I met another kid that was into guitar and he was into Kiss and Aerosmith and, and uh, he turned me on to all these bands and all of a sudden I was playing keyboards again and that's how it started. That's fantastic. And then you went from, you went from California all the way to the other side of the country for, for school, right? I did. I was very young at the time too. I, I just finished my junior year of high school and I went to Berkeley for a summer camp or for a summer school. It was like a nine week course or whatever. And at the end of it, I ended up getting a scholarship to go to Berkeley full time. But the thing was, I was only a junior in high school. So I had to go home and I convinced my parents to take the GED test so I could leave high school a year early so I can attend Berkeley. And at the time I was 16 years old, moving away you know, from home for the first time. And I was the youngest student at Berkeley at that time. That's insane. Yeah, I just skipped a year. I mean, while most people, you know, oh, the senior year is the best year of my life with the graduation and the tassel. I could not give a shit about any of that. All I wanted to do was to be a great musician. And Berkeley was the, uh, the ticket at that time for me. And that was, there was no place on earth that was better for me to be at than Berkeley College of Music at that point in my life. And thankfully, uh, my parents agreed and, and let me take that test and get it out early. That's fantastic. And then did you try staying in the Boston area for a while or did you move? Did you immediately no, move back home? There was a bunch of us that joined at the same time. And then after three full semesters, we all felt like, all right, we got what we needed out of the school and we felt ready to turn pro, you know, we didn't, I didn't need a degree. I had no intention of becoming a music teacher or anything like that. I knew in my heart that I had the skill set to go in into Hollywood or New York and, and compete and, uh, and do well. So that's what it was. Awesome. And, and then, so how long after graduation or after you, you, you left school, uh, and did you, you know, get your, uh, your first, either your first gig or your first big gig? It was a four year period of hell, you know, <laughs> trying to get breaks and stuff. And then like, right when I turned 23 is when I got the Alice Cooper gig and that's when everything started to happen. So it was like a good five year, four or five years of just brutal, you know, rejection and, and trying to learn the business and, and, uh, while surviving and, and doing bullshit jobs and, and right. all that. Stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And, and, you know, like you said, your friend turned you on to a bunch of music. So playing with somebody like Alice Cooper for your first gig must've just been mind blowing. That was mind blowing, but even more mind blowing was Kiss, the next gig, because Kiss was one of the bands that, that my friend turned me on to, like, right. when I was young. So and then here I am, like, looking up at Gene and Paul in the rehearsal room, just going, wow, this is pretty cool. 
That's that's uh, that's great. And uh, you for <clears throat> with when you were working with Kiss, you that was uh, the Revenge tour, right? That's right, '92. Uh, that's amazing. And like this is the what 30th anniversary of uh, the Revenge album and the Revenge tour as well. So I mean, that's it's amazing. Yeah, man, time is really blown by fast. It really does. I got to chat with uh, uh, Bruce Kulik a couple uh, months ago and, you know, just, he was just reminiscing about those times and, and it just must have been surreal to, you know, be right there, you know, uh, you know, working keyboards right off stage watching. I mean, you have the, the best, the best uh, view of the, of the concert and you're, you're Absolutely. working. Absolutely. I did have the best view and it was just great learning from Gene and Paul and, you know, watching how they ran a tour in such a close proximity. There's just a lot to learn, you know, so it was oh, a great experience. I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, honored, I'm, I'm honored to be part of history. Yeah, I, uh, I would imagine that, yeah, you got to get a, a, a real firsthand experience of what it's like to be a part of that KISS business. Oh, for sure. It was, there, it's amazing. I mean, those guys have been through it all and they're very hands-on with their, their business. And you can just see how, how they handle stuff out there. Everything from the, the crew to promoters to fire marshals for the pyro. I mean, it goes right oh. down. There's like a lot of, a lot of moving parts. And uh, Yeah. You don't think about that. Oh, every day when you if you're doing pyro in a big band like that, every day the the local fire marshal or someone from that office has to come down and inspect and make sure everything is to code. And you know you can't just go into a city and start blowing off fireworks inside of a. <laughs> you know. Was there anything that surprised you about uh, you know? the the business aspect or you know uh, besides the pyro you know working with those uh you know the fire marshals was there anything else that surprised you that you were like oh i had no clue that it was done this way no just uh it's just awesome watching how professional everything was ran you know it's really cool do you uh do you kind of wish that you would have caught kiss during the makeup years uh, I mean, you know, Kiss, I, I respect Kiss. I think it's amazing. I think they're pioneers in, in rock and roll. But as far as uh, one of my favorite bands growing up, so it wasn't like Van Halen or Aerosmith for me, you know? Right, right, yeah. Uh, had you worked with them during the makeup years, did you ever think about no. But had had you had you done it, had, did you have you ever thought about what your what your makeup? I know you're off stage, you know, uh, and, and, and and but do you ever think about what your makeup would have been? Well, yes, Eric Singer and I have discussed it, and I've always been called a a shit stirrer with the golden <laughs> ladle. So I would have a ladle across my face because I stir it up. That's the ladle. The ladle man. Man, that's uh, that the ladle man. Uh, this is how I'm going to uh, advertise that you're on my show, the ladle man. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, while talking with with Bruce, he actually gave me uh, uh, a you know a, a guitar pick because I have a guitar pick collection. 
So he, he gave me some guitar picks and a, a tin to put them in. Now, obviously you're not out there trading guitar picks with anybody, but do you have any sort of collection of things that you've been able to trade other musicians over time, whether no, it's- No, uh, no. I don't have any of that stuff. I just make records. <laughs> That's uh, fair enough, fair enough. So do you have any sort of collections at all? Like, are you, uh, do you have any, you know, fanboy? you know, are you a Marvel, Star Trek, Star Wars type, type person? The only thing I have resembling a collection are keyboard collections, but it isn't from a collector standpoint. I mean, these are actual things that I use to, to make records or my tool, tools of my trade, but they, it could fall under, you know, a lot of them are collectible, happen to be collectible pieces as well. So, but as far as collections, that's pretty much it. That's a good way to not clutter up your house, I suppose. Well, I guess, you know, yeah. keyboards aren't the, the easiest thing to-, to Well, no, I keep house. it, I have a studio, so all my music gear is in there. So I have no music stuff in my house. Oh, that's, that's, I mean, clutter yeah. free. Gosh, that's the, that's the life. Uh, and uh, while also talking with, with uh, Bruce a, a couple of weeks ago, it was in Vegas. So we talked about, um, you know, uh, a hypothetical Vegas residence. So let's say that you had uh, a Vegas residence. What would, if you could, uh, if you could, you know, bring some some musicians out there with you for a residence. What would your dream group, your your dream super group be for a Vegas residency? Do they have to be alive? I think yes. So it was if if they were to call you right now. Oh. Yeah, I would love to do like Steven Tyler, Jeff Beck, Simon Phillips, uh, bass, Tony Franklin, you know, be great. I mean, would you, would you do a Vegas, would you do a Vegas residency? I know a lot of people are like, ah, you know, that's not me, but would you? Hey, you know what? If I had enough fans that would pay to see me multiple nights in the same venue, uh, in a row, I would love it. It would be fantastic. So I'm envious of, of these artists that are able to do that. So I think it's great. Uh, let's go back to uh, Alice Cooper for a little bit. Um, you got to uh, play poker with him. Did you ever get to play golf with him? No, I wasn't a golfer, but oh. I played many, uh, <laughs> many long poker bouts with him. There's been a lot of money exchanged between us. And uh, my favorite story with Alice is we were traveling on the bullet train from Tokyo to Osaka. It's like a two hour drive or whatever. And so we have our little section on the bullet train. We're playing cards and I ended up getting four twos, four of a kind. And I ended up winning like a three, $400 pot. I forgot what it was, but that was 30 years ago. So that was you know, sizable. It was everyone's per diem at the time. And I remember laying down the four twos and I jumped up screaming on the uh, conservative bullet train and everyone's looking at me and Alice was just smiling and just shaking his head because he knew it was such a great hand. That's, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Who do you think has, who do you think has won more money between the two of you? If you are. Oh, it depends who you ask. I'll say me and he'll say it's him. <laughs> uh did you ever like uh, so uh obviously he he goes on stage with you know snakes and stuff are you, how are your feelings on snakes have you ever been stuck in a room with uh with one of his snakes 
No, I, I mean, I used to see the snakes all the time. They were, uh, they were always very cool. I mean, I wouldn't pet them or I, I didn't touch them or anything, but they seemed to, uh, I always wondered like what that snake was feeling in front of all those people and the lights, if it scared them or, you know, that's, I was always concerned a little bit for the snake. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. That's a good, I, like, again, you're bringing up things that like, I don't think I've ever thought about like, no, I mean, yeah. how would, I mean, imagine, imagine if you were that snake and you're brought up on stage and people are screaming all of a sudden there's like these flashing lights you're not used to seeing. And it has to be a, yeah, I wonder. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I wonder if I mean how to do if they've ever done studies on anything like that. But uh, obviously, uh, I mean, I guess Peter didn't really get a chance to shut him down. So uh, we shouldn't give him. Let's not give him any ideas. I like Alice, and I don't want him to have any trouble. It's true. I yeah, I love I I love Alice. I uh, think he's fantastic, and uh, I mean, just a hell of a performer. And to be able to keep going is is incredible. Got to give him credit. I. Absolutely. And then you've also, uh, you got to work with Dream Theater as well. Yes. Uh, 90, what was it? 94 to 99. The did like uh, one album, one live album and an EP. Great experience. Uh, it, it exposed me to uh, a new genre, progressive rock. I had never played in a band like that before. And I'll tell you my musicianship in those three or four years went from, you know, up tremendously. I mean, it's insane. If you listen to me when I first joined that band towards like the end, big difference. And even now, like between now and, and then I listen to recordings of myself, like even a few years ago and I could, I always see the growth in my plane. That's been the key to my uh, longevity is I'm always getting better and you can hear it on every album. Is there a is there a, a performer or a group like Dream Theater that you feel taught you the most about being a performer? Not so much being a performer. I mean, that first tour with Alice Cooper was the first time I was ever on a world class tour and and playing, you know, uh, arenas and large, you know, Euro festivals and you know, big shows. So that, I mean, helped as a performer, but Dream Theater definitely helped me uh, expand my skill set as far as being a player. So that was definitely an important stage in my career. That's, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. I play, I have zero musical talent. So, uh, you know, when I get a chance to talk to somebody like you, I am uh, a thousand percent envious. Um, when you're, when you're, creating a, a new album um you know when you're writing what do you hear first do you hear the keyboard first do you hear maybe a guitar riff that you're like oh i want to add something to that is there a is there a process to your writing i there's many different ways for inspiration it either starts with me playing or someone else will play something that sparks uh something in me you know or any of the above that's, I mean, I, I've, again, I find that whole, that whole process super fascinating and uh, jealous of just being able to go in there and be like, oh, hey, I heard this thing. Let me just add to it. I, I mean, I, I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like. Uh, so one thing I do want to talk about is, so I have a picture that's always on my shows of, uh, of Jeff Goldblum here. 
Now he does. He has. He does jazz in L.A. Have you ever been able to, uh, you know, go and and uh, experience the Jeff Goldblum experience, uh, you know, in his jazz club? Uh oh, no. Oh, he's muted. My bad. No, no I haven't seen that. I haven't seen Jeff Goldblum. No, have you? No. Have you uh, have you ever wondered what you know? Because again, you know your your style. I, I don't even know if you have a style of music because it's so eclectic. I don't know, uh, but honestly, bro, if I was gonna go see jazz, I wouldn't go see some actor go and try to express himself playing music. I'd go see like a real jazz musician if I'm actually gonna leave my house and go see live music. What? What? Who would you? Who uh, on the jazz front? Who would you go and see? I'd go see Herbie Hancock. I'd go see. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of guys that are out there that are really great players. There's a, a player that I really like right now named Tigran Hamasian, who's playing some really amazing piano stuff. And so if you haven't heard of him, check him out. I haven't. I'm going to I'm going to write that down immediately. Yeah. So Tigran Hamasian. I yeah, I'm I'm going to check that like as soon as we get done. Uh, I'm going to obviously I'm not going to I'm going to butcher the name. I'm just spelling it. But I'll figure. Google will help me uh, figure it out. Um, I have to know what's your what's your beef with uh, Christmas albums? Oh, there's no no beef. I just think it's so you know it's just cheesy. I just think whenever you see artists do it, it's just like I, I don't know. I think it's corny. So you would it's been done. So you it's would never. Done. What what would what what would have to be done in order for you, Derek, to to do a Christmas album? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I actually did one a few years ago with Billy Idol, which I thought was a cool one because he sounds like Elvis and it reminds me of the Elvis Christmas albums. And, you know, I think I think those are cool. But I just hear some of the other bands do it and like metal versions of the stuff. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't need it. <laughs> uh I'm going to do a, a thing that we like to do here on the Milo Beasley show when it's called the Milo Beasley show frequently asked questions. I'm going to ask you the same five questions I asked all my guests. Uh, they're pretty relatively easy. So uh, should be no wrong answers. Just first thing that comes to your mind. I'm super interested in your answer for this first question. So question number one, what was the first concert you attended? Van Halen, 1980 Oakland Coliseum. Oh, and the opening band was Talis, Billy Sheehan on bass. That's fantastic. How do you even, how do you go to another concert? Because there's no way your second concert was going to be better than your first, right? No, that was just amazing. Ah, oh, I couldn't imagine. Van Halen in 1980. Great. Oh, man. Uh, question number two, do you believe in ghosts? I do. I do. do. I don't think about it a lot, but I think I think that uh, I think they're there. Have you ever had any weird experiences where you're like, hmm, no, no, no. But I, I but I believe that I think that it's a strong possibility. Yeah, I think uh, I feel I feel the same way, like something I feel like something's got to feel like something's got to be there. Same thing with uh, extraterrestrials, too. I feel like it's too, the universe is too big for there not to be something, right? I, I think the same thing. Yeah, I think that's uh, reasonable. Yeah. 
Uh, question number three, and a little twist on a popular question. In a movie about your life, who would play your parents? <laughs> God, I don't know. No, nobody uh, Nobody comes to I mind. Like, oh, my, that's no. just like my dad. I can't. I have no clue. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number four. Who's your favorite person to follow on social media? Ooh. Um, I, I really don't have a favorite. I just follow like my friends. Like there's a group of friends that I, I follow and that's it. But there's no like celebrity or anything in particular that that I'm following. I've had a lot of people say that they just follow animals and pets. And I have followed. Yes. Oh, okay. I take that back. There's a, um, even though I have my own cat, there's this cat on Instagram named Lewis, the Cornish Rex, and he's a Cornish Rex cat. And uh, I just love this cat's face. <laughs> and so every day they post a picture and the cat is always wearing like a bow tie or some hat and these big ears. And it just puts a smile on my face. So Lewis the Cornish Rex on, um, on Instagram is my favorite. That's fantastic. Yeah, I've had so many people that are like, yeah, I don't care about people. I just uh, follow yeah. animals. Yep. <laughs> And then I followed like subjects too, like Norway. I think Norway is so beautiful. Like every picture you see of it, the, uh, the Aurora Borealis, the fjords. And so for like uh, six months, I was following uh, all things Norway. So I get all these pictures and then I got burned out on it. And then I moved on to something else. Is there, is that like, is that the dream vacation for you is norway or do you is there a no norway? no I've, I've been there several times oh. i love it i think it, it's beautiful if i'm gonna go on vacation i want to go where it's warm and tropical <laughs> yeah i don't want to see any snow well i mean yeah i mean where do you go for warm and tropical i mean you live in la no but you go i mean like on an island somewhere nice like i've never been to bali or or fiji or tahiti it's one of the polynesian Right. Islands would be cool to go, go check that out. It's a long flight, but it's right. something I'd like to do. But worth it. All right. And then question number five, uh, interested to know this one. Uh, what has been, has there been a, a fanboy moment where you saw somebody, you met somebody and you just weren't able to come up with words to speak to them? Mm. No, but I remember one time, Early on, I think it was the first year Ingve was famous. It may have been like 85 or 86. And uh, I was at the NAMM show. No, he's actually was already famous for a couple of years, but I was at the NAMM show and I saw Ingve. And I remember just getting really excited and going up and asking him for his autograph. Oh, that's was, awesome. Yeah. That and was then you got to, exciting. And, and then, then I got, got to, to play with him, him. Yeah. Years later for, you know, many years. That's, but that was pretty cool. Yeah, did you did he remember that at all, or did you no. bring it no, up? No, I mean, I'm sure he'd have a million kids coming up to him, you know. Ah, this is this is this is true. This is true. Um, uh, before we go, I just have to uh, ask your opinion, since you are a keyboardist, a, a pianist, your opinion on keytars. I'm not a fan, but not you know what? To, to each their own. Have fun. <laughs> I. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of, I think I am a fan um, of, of watching somebody get down on a guitar on, on stage. 
God bless you. Have fun. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, where can folks find you on social media? I'm on uh, Twitter, Derek, uh, at Derek Sherinian. I'm at Instagram, at Derek Sherinian Official. And then on uh, my main website, DerekSherinian.com. Fantastic. Yeah, that, that's how I, I found you on, on your website. Uh, so much on the website, man. But, uh, and again, we want to talk about Vortex. It was just came out July 1st. Uh, can, is pretty much, is that, uh, can be found everywhere where music is yeah, sold? Yeah, you can just uh, look Apple it up, and, Amazon, uh, insideout.com. You should be able to find it pretty much anywhere. It's a great album. Simon Phillips, Tony Franklin, Michael Shanker, Zach Wild, Nuno Betancourt. Um, Joe Bonamassa, Steve Luke at their Mike Stern, the best of the best musicians on every instrument. Uh, the album is top quality from beginning to end, from the compositions to the players to the production. It's a must have in any uh, true music lovers collection. Check it out. There's plenty of samples on, on uh, YouTube. You can hear it before you buy it. But once you hear it, it's awesome. And then you, you're going to want to get it in. The high fidelity so you can really enjoy it in its full you know one one hundred percent one hundred percent i've actually yeah. found that it's 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 nice to uh run to because i i run a lot so it's just nice to have that yeah. that i mean the the tempo the tempo on some of those uh is ridiculous and uh, uh you got me beat on some of those where i was just like ah. just wasn't able to go anymore but uh but yeah so uh amazing so now that you've put out Vortex, what is the, do you just, do you, are you planning on, on, on touring on it? Or do you immediately start on another uh, we're gonna be playing, rest? We're going to be playing a couple of select shows to promote Vortex, but mainly uh, my focus is going to be on my next solo record. And I've already started writing. It's going to be all piano. And so it's going to require a lot of, you know, different, kinds of practice for me and to get my piano skills up and, and to write some really great songs. So that's what I'm working on right now. That's, that's awesome. And, and, and best of luck to you. And I'm super excited for, for that. And that, I mean, that'll be album number 10. So uh, that's a, a big deal. And that should come out next year, like uh, about a year from now, a little I, more than a year from now. Fantastic. Uh, again, uh, Derek gave it his, his socials. Go ahead and check him out. Follow follow that progression and check out where he will be playing those select tours. Derek, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I'm glad we were able to get past uh, some of thank these you. Uh, issues. Thank you, Milo. Take care of yourself and have a great day. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody else, for watching, and we'll see you next week. Bye.